I'm Guy Michaels, voiceover artist and director of the training platform, VoiceOver Kickstart. In this, our third episode, I'm talking with Mike Saraswat, founder and CEO of Ecstasy, a hugely successful advertising, branding and creative agency based in London. As the pro voiceover artist, the quicker you identify as a business, the stronger that business and your career will become. We go deep and discuss fears, the need for understanding finances and setting rates, routine and discipline, and succeeding as a solo entrepreneur. For more golden advice and resources, head to voiceoverkickstart.com. Hey, Mike. Thanks for coming on today. Really good to see you. No, absolutely, Guy. Thanks for having me. It's so exciting to be chatting to you uh, in person, or albeit digitally, but nearly after, what, 10, 12 years? After about 10 years, yeah. Um, I think it'd be really interesting for our listeners if you could just tell us a little bit about your journey and how your advertising, creative and branding agency, Ecstasy, came about. Absolutely. Um, So it was founded in 2007. Um, I have always been interested in creative uh, arts, um, did uh, film and TV uh, for my bachelor's, Uh, did the business of media for my master's, uh, did a few documentaries, was interested in performing arts as well. That's how I uh, sort of met you. You were coaching me for, uh, from an actor's point of view, I remember, uh, a very long time ago. I did a couple of uh, stage plays um, and I soon realized that what I truly enjoyed doing was um, producing in the business side of the whole thing because I was always feeling I was a bit mismanaged um, there were a lot of subjective creative opinions, but nobody really took the project under their wings to make it happen, realize it, put timelines and budgets to it. Um, and I found that in a way I was fulfilling my creative purpose by helping those projects, whether I was directing, writing, acting, whatever uh, shape form might be. That took me down the journey of having my own company because it was are more professional to have an outfit of your own. Initially, I had this very romanticized idea of a body of work. And uh, I kind of still toy with that idea, even though the body of work has increased now as the aspirations increase. So what the does body that mean? of work. What, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Da Vinci, you know, saying his body of work could be designing a plane and then. Also, maybe, uh, you know, writing or sketching something and then dabbling in biology and physics. And, and so in my head, I was like, never good at science, but very good at abstraction and uh, surreal thought. So let me just go deeper into this. Um, you know, parents had already thought that was a bit bonkers. So I, I love that we've started this off with comparing you to Da Vinci. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, there is no narcissism there at all, you know, but... Um, but yeah, it's just fascinating that you, you know, body of work, the idea was so close to me then, it's so close to me now. And I said, whatever limitations of time, money, resources I have, whatever I have control on, what can I do the best um, in my own capacity so that when I look back at it, that, okay, I gave it the best shot I can in those circumstances irrespective of whether we win, we lose, doesn't matter. Um, that's pretty much the genesis of ecstasy um, in the sense that, and the reason we called it that, you know, it was uh, 
it was like, who cares? Let's let's be a bit, you know, bold and a little edgy and and see if anyone really gives us work. It was more almost to say, dare you give us work? You know, <laughs> it's it's quite funny because some of the big corporates that we ended up working with, a couple of them actually had to do our name checks and due diligence because their servers used to block us and. Uh, <laughs> their IT teams and finance teams had to have interviews with us on the phone just to make sure we were kosher and above the line. <laughs> um, so yeah, I say ecstasy is legal. You know, it's uh, yeah, one of those things. Or or I uh, a couple of other ones. <laughs> they were they actually their, their servers were blocking your e- your emails. And <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and then I said, I don't know what you were thinking. So that's another one uh, that goes quite well. And then and then I, another one I say is um, that. You know, to me, ecstasy is all about divine bliss. Uh, I don't know what you you guys were thinking, kind of thing. And <laughs> um, so, it's, I, I really like the humor. I really, I think I picked it up from Virgin and, and sort of it, because, frankly, now it's it's in our vocabulary. But if you think of it, twenty five, thirty years ago, the whole idea of calling your company Virgin is is is, is quite bold. Um, so that was the genesis of uh, ecstasy. But historically, it was more. And the idea wasn't very clear that we would do advertising per se, we would do content, um, but we can go deeper into that as we go along. But it wasn't very clear. I just wanted to do creative things. Uh, but w- it was very clear from the very beginning that going back to body of work, the body of work needs a certain amount of money to back it because I'd seen many have failed as a struggling actor, as a struggling writer, director, um, so many failed projects and aspirations where if there was no budget allocated to it, even if it's small, but having that very, very clear understanding that money is important and it's there, or we will find it. Um, having that very clear financial understanding really helped. When you first started with it, with ecstasy then, you know, as, a, as an unproven non-body of work how do you get people to take you seriously yeah it's, it's very interesting because um I'm, I'm sure there are people um we've pissed off along the way we've always tried to be very honest and and, and be as transparent as possible but I've, i have soon realized that nobody wants the full truth and that goes for pretty much everything uh you, they need some sort of sugar coating somewhere uh, I think people are scared of having the complete truth. We failed. Nobody wants to listen to that. <laughs> people want to go, oh, we tried everything, you know, but maybe something, and then they're happy with that. So honest, complete transparency doesn't work. But um, but at the very beginning, we were trying to do that. We were trying to be blatantly honest about things and say, listen, um, you know, holding on to whatever you have. So that's one thing I would say if, if, if somebody's listening who feels... Um, they are starting on their own creative entrepreneurial journey of any kind, um, whether that's being a you know uh, a jobbing actor, a voiceover artist, a um, a performing artist, a musician, whatever you are, um, or in film and TV, or starting your own production or agency business. Um, I think hold on to the best things you have and build on on top of those. So. And you'll be surprised how many great things you might have. The fascinating thing is that when you're selling a product, you sell the features and benefits of the product. In agency world or in performing world, I soon realize you are the only product. So 
So dress well, always be positive, uh, try and listen to the other person, give, give as much as you can in terms of support without being exploited. Um, you know, the, the, you've got to have a mental threshold or whatever that is, um, how you define, define being exploited, whether that's the 10th revision of the idea before they would say they'll pay you, or, yeah. or that's the second revision, nobody knows. Um, but have that mental uh, line in the sand and you work towards that. Uh, but whatever you have, hold on to it, package it, position it. So whether it's just as simple as I'm a nice person who's creative. <laughs> Start with that. Uh, I will take 15 minutes of your time to bounce off a few ideas. If something sticks, great. If doesn't, no problem. I, I you know, I appreciate your time. So it's it's starting with that. Or a step above that, have you seen the great work my team has done? So surround yourself with very smart people, reach out to them. And uh, we did that in the very early days. We reached out to some very smart directors and, um, you know, writers. And uh, we said, well, we've got a very good team. And the funny thing about that is I realized, and I was, I was kind of doing it subconsciously, really trying to pad ourselves up, so to speak. But I find agencies actually do that right now. Uh, they do it all the time. Um, they would hire or headhunt, as a technical word, you know, porch, very smart people, senior people from different uh different companies and suddenly they say oh okay well we've got the biggest uh creative mind of his or her time with us <laughs> and we've just you know porched them from other agency for double the money you know um but they can then they all they're doing is the same thing that i was doing when i was starting out is padding themselves surrounding themselves with great thinking great talent it's the most difficult and also the easiest thing to do Unlike building a piece of software or code or a mobile app where you have to um, not just have a good idea, but go through many versions or iterations of that product and then find a product market fit. With this, it's really easy. You just have to be positive, find the best side in you, surround yourself with the smartest people, they've done great work, package it, put it out there. So answering your question, it wasn't easy. But I, in the early days, did a lot of um, the tangible steps. So for me, we were selling content in the early days. So uh, whether that is TV, radio, print, you know, whatever type of content. I didn't want to specialize in one niche because I thought that was limiting. Um, I just wanted to be creative. And so where do I meet businesses? I went to a lot of trade shows. Um, so 2007, I wasn't very well versed with email marketing then. Um, as a tangible step. Um, we did a lot of telephone calls. So there were days we were doing 100, 150 calls. Initially, it was just myself for two years. Then it went on to add another couple of people. I once also made a big mistake where I hired uh, five full-time salespeople uh, for three months, burnt a lot of cash, didn't know how to manage them properly, <laughs> and exhausted all my credit cards. And that was a very bad story. Um, but we didn't stop there. No, nothing really worked out. Initially, I was selling creativity at a very low price point and saying, hey, um, maybe all hotels will leave videos. Maybe all, uh, you know, there are nearly, the stats were in front of me. You know, there are nearly 5 million businesses in the UK. 
economies of scale, they will all need content and uh, everyone is getting on the web, so they need digital content. And I was mistaken about the fact, A, how long it takes, B, whether big or small, client is a client, they all want the same number of reviews. Um, the only difference is the smaller ones are paying you hardly anything in comparison to the bigger clients. And C, it's not about just finding the bigger clients, it's also about knowing what work you want to do. I wanted to do work that gets seen and people go, oh, okay, I saw that. Um, that was coming from my sort of movie head and sort of, oh, I want my work to be seen, which indirectly meant that working for a lot of the smaller businesses, that work will never be seen. And uh, in the early days, for, for nearly three years, we made that mistake. Um, That's interesting. Um, in, in voiceover, people are obsessing about rates all the time you know how much should i charge um i've just started how much should i charge I've been, I've been doing it for years how much should i charge and it reminds me of a a former company of mine where we we were starting out in those in those industries and i remember meetings with uh you know heads of hr who were potentially booking us and i remember one very very particular uh, meeting where this woman said to us that she wouldn't touch us because we were too cheap. Hmm. So we pretty much, we, we lost the gig, even though we knew we could do the work, but we lost it because we were too cheap. So how does a solo entrepreneur price themselves? It's a very interesting question because, and I'll try and answer it, because you said solo entrepreneur, and I'll try and answer it, I'll start with solo first and then the entrepreneur comes in. And I think we've got to break it up and people need to self-actualize. I ended up having a lot of time. I've been doing it for nearly 13 years. So I have self-reflected on this quite a while. Firstly, I must sort of address this. Any creative industry, any agency, any film, a lot of people call this an industry. It's not an industry. It's, it's built on gratitude, whims and fancies and patronage. It's, an, it's like any arts. It's like, you know, it's just a bit more mainstream than your paintings and, and your sculptures. Um, so people get a bit more fed and watered. Um, but it is still a novelty to be able to work in this space where you can actually have a few ideas, get them commissioned and work on them. And to be able to do that day in, day out, whether for yourself or somebody else, is, is a privilege. Um, so I think we need to have that point very, very clear. Um, on top of that, um, let's address solo. Now, solo is very tricky because uh, you start the company, you work for yourself, you are the face of your own company. Um, you could position yourself as a freelancer or you could position yourself as um, a CEO of a company, uh, whatever you feel more comfortable with. Some people charge themselves out as an individual. Some people hide behind a brand name. Whatever you feel comfortable with, both are okay. There is no particular way of operating. But going back to the solo bit, I think what is really challenging is a lot of people forget that there are human beings to start with. And for a very, very long period of time, it took me nearly five years where I had a few people around me, but I didn't have the network we have. We have now nearly 200 people across 
UK, Europe, and US uh, within the wider network. And I can tap into that very, very quickly. I can, you know, build teams. We delivered a couple of big television uh, ads for 30 seconds, you know, people spending millions of pounds, teams of 70, 80 people. Now, uh, this is very interesting, but I think my rigor, my discipline came when I was a solo entrepreneur. And I wouldn't discount how much strength and willpower your, you within you have as a dynamo. And I wouldn't worry too much about just being yourself first. So look after yourself as an individual first, your mental health, your routine. Nobody else will. I struggle and I always did. That's why I surrounded myself with um, either family or friends even if they didn't understand what I was doing, but just saying hello to somebody helps, um, I find, um, who is not in it to make money off you, but just cares for you, that you're okay and stuff. Um, and then routine is really important, a discipline throughout the day. So whether that could be as simple as, I will do three things today, and you have three post-it notes, and you put them on your laptop. Like I'm highly dyslexic, so I've got many note-taking things. And part of my note-taking thing is uh, my laptops, my desktops, um, uh, the pads, <laughs> notepads, sticky notes, everywhere. Uh, but find your system that works. I do. Um, uh, I will write whatever comes to my mind, and then I will move things in priority for the day. And whatever that's most important. That, and I say whatever moves the needle. So if for the solo entrepreneur, there could be different things that need to move the needle at that time. One could be you don't have a portfolio to put out there, so you need one. How can I build that? Step one, forget about everything else. Um, you know, do I have three months that I can eat and live? You know, do I have somewhere where I can find cheap to live at, which is safe? Very important, he's to be safe, um, emotionally, mentally, physically, all that. And if you're in a safe space, you know you've got enough for two to three months to eat. You need to build a portfolio, whether of your own or a team around you, so you can start advertising yourself. Then you need to find a system to advertise yourself. Now, that system could be telephones, emails, could be saying, actually, I will take the agency route, find the top. 50 big ones, top 50 small and medium size, and then micro size, right? So I'll contact these 150 companies and manually reach out to two or three of their directors. That could be system one. System two could be, no, actually, I will reach out to um, recording studios. That could be another way of doing it, you know. Um, system three could be, actually, I will reach out to brands directly. And because that is such a big potential pool, I'll narrow it down to who do I think my voice will work for? So if you did a mind map and said, okay, uh, like for example, I personally love giving voice to animation. I, I'm a kid at heart, always been, always tapped into that, genuinely. I always have this thing in my head that I'm still in kindergarten and, so, <laughs> and uh, just I enjoy the thrill. And sometimes even before the clients, if I get excited about an idea, I don't hold back. I just go on with it. Uh, Let me do it. Let me do it. <laughs> Let me do it. Let me do yeah, it. Yeah. And, I, and I truly enjoy it. And uh, the other set of animations I actually uh, 
uh, minion like little balls that I they, they were not saying anything. I just did voices for all three of those. So so much fun. Um, but the point is that within brands, you could find the brands you think you would love to give your voice to. And that's a fantastic starting point. Now, that's the system. And then you need, so that's the system where you've identified who you're reaching out to and then how you're going to reach out to. And then every day, make sure you're working towards that North Star. Even if you're working two or three hours, make sure you do that. Because I have spent many a days or months in fear. And fear is real. It's very, very real. And if anyone says that they're not scared, they're lying. Absolutely lying. Even some of the biggest people out there lie. I know people who were booked on these major, major shows, Game of Thrones, some like big, big talent. And they're dead scared they might not get the next thing, their next gig. And it's soul crushing. It's, it's for us as an agency, you know, we are still always on the lookout for the next big thing. Because now we are big enough to kind of go, okay, then we need the next big. If we do something smaller than what we did, mentally we all go, oh, sh- oh something's wrong. Something's right, wrong. Yeah. So, and that works for the solo entrepreneur as well. Um, work towards the next thing, but remember when you do it, um, I keep that very stoic sort of thinking. Don't oh, oh, celebrate it too much. Don't berate it too much either. You know, um, you have to keep a very even key. You're happy when things happen in your uh, in your favor, but you keep grinding, keep hustling, keep moving forward, keep adding value to other people you meet. Um, but have your north star because if you have your north star right to whoever you talk to, you drop that. You drop that. Um, by the way, I'm doing voiceovers. Uh, do you know any brands who I could do voiceover for? And yeah, you might sound a bit salesy, but frankly, um, you kind of want to push a little bit. I wish I had done that. I didn't. I wasn't as as focused about what my true north star was. Yeah, and and they do. They yeah you know, they 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 will help you. It, it, I've always thought that if you, if they book you once, they like you. If they book you twice. They love you. And it's at that point where you can say, hey, do you know anybody else who I could potentially work for? But just don't be afraid to ask. And especially don't be overly English or British about it. Yeah? I completely agree. I think Americans do it really well. They are, you know, proper jobbing uh, mentality. Um, they, they approached so recently. Now we are hiring a lot of sort of um, voice artists and, and it's interesting because uh, mentally I have made this uh, loyalty chart in my head where um, it's a full circle. So we good good service to our clients. They keep booking us. The talent that works with us uh, on our projects, we, if they did a good job, uh, we keep booking them. Um, and it, it comes a full circle. But it's interesting, not a lot of them, by themselves come to us and say, hey, is there anything else this month? What's happening? You know, just drop a hello. Sometimes you don't even need to ask for work. If if you're branded very, you know, in the right way and everyone knows you are a voice artist and everyone knows that you exist, uh, who you are, all you need to say, hey, I'm there, you know, uh, and there could be many reasons. Um, if you had that top 10, top 20 companies that you always want to book work with, um, you could find their recent wins on their social media. You could see if they've done some interesting work. 
Um, you could drop those producers if you're dealing with producers. Who, whoever uh, your universe comprises of who book you, pay for your services. Just yeah. drop them a little well, nudge. But make them aware of you. You know, that, exactly. that you use social media for, for that purpose. Get on their radar. Get in on the conversation. Um, I mean, what's what are your thoughts on on just emailing direct? For me, um, I I think because of social media, there is there is no need to simply cold email or cold contact people because you can use social media to warm them up first of all maybe over a period of a few months to make them aware of who you are. And then perhaps you go in with a short email. But what are your thoughts on that? Just kind of on the receiving end of just a random email from a stranger on the other side of the planet. It's very interesting because um, now we do get those approaches ourselves, uh, whether that is, you know, uh, because we had posted something on Spotlight or Mandy or, you know, any of the other custom sites. And it'll normally go to our info at email address um or they'll be smart enough to try a couple of combinations so my cat or somebody else and they will get an email which is which is good uh, appreciate that but i think it's a hit and miss in my opinion and the reason for that is i'll, I'll be perfectly honest is is all about timing so as long as the email is quite respectful um you know this is what i do short and to the point here's a link um keep me in mind um if the timing is right, it's all about, you know, if, if you, uh, it's a volume game. If you've done about 100 odd, you know, 200, 500 odd emails, somebody somewhere will book you. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. It's a volume game. But it is, it, it can be very um, damaging to your ego um, because. We, we as human beings like instant gratification and it does not give you instant gratification if you are not lucky. It, it takes a long time. And, uh, and even if you got lucky at the beginning, right away, you were like, why is it not happening again? Am I not good enough? Is my work not good? It's just, it's, it's just playing, playing the roulette, you know. It's, so yeah, I, I think answering your question, I think it's a combination of both. Um, uh, warm nurture on LinkedIn. If that person is active regularly on LinkedIn, Twitter, that's a nice way of doing it. Um, but if it's a bigger agency and you don't have direct reach to a individual, uh, and maybe that individual is not even that active on social. Um, and if it's too big an individual, sometimes they don't manage their own social media anymore. They've got people managing it for them. Um, so even if you are reaching out to them and they might be reading what you're saying to them, they themselves might not be reading it and it might not be going to them. So as social media gets busy now, it's also important to keep in mind the direct approach of emails sometimes helps. Um, there are tools that you could use. So you have to be very careful now with GDPR and compliance and what have you. But as a single person, you can kind of get away with a lot of stuff in the sense if you're honest, genuine, and you know, hold your hands up and, you know, I'm just trying to survive, which in most cases is the case. Um, people do care, you know, if, and just say, hey, uh, th there is no one way of writing in a cold email. You know, you could do it in different ways. And some people start with an apology. Some people sort of go, sorry to contact you out of the blue. Blah, blah. There are a lot of sale email gurus out there who sort of say, Oh, never start with an apology or, you know, 
always position yourself right away and the, there's no one way of doing it. There are so it's, many different It's what you're comfortable with, surely. What you're comfortable yeah. with. Yeah. The only thing you cannot say no to is the volume. Whatever you're doing, whether you're contacting people on social or direct emails, finding their email addresses, calling up the reception to find the emails, or using, there are loads of plugins now, things like Hunter and uh, you know, a Rocket Reach and all these things, which you can reverse engineer people's email addresses. Just email them on their business. Uh, do not try their personal Yahoo or Gmail if they did not give you consent is very important. Uh, but as long as it's on a business and you know it's legitimate interest, that's the legal boundary. Um, and say, hey, I'm reaching out to you because I'm, I'm a voiceover artist. Um, I work for myself. I've done some great work, link. Or recently won an award, link. Or my project did, you know. Everyone runs behind success. They, everyone loves the idea of a rising star. You know, everyone salutes the rising sun. So it's a case of what is that rising bit you want to say is up to you uh, and package it properly. Yeah, and then just, you know, hey, um, this is who I am. This is my hook. This is my rising bit uh, link. Uh, this is why I'm great. And uh, it will be great to hear from you, uh, buy a coffee, whatever you're doing, whatever that hook is. But volume is absolutely key. You cannot yeah. hope that you will send five communication, whether that's email or whatever, and hope somebody will come back. Uh, yeah, exactly. So keep the email short, but also at the same time, and this is easier said than done, for all those emails that you send, you've just got to think, I've done it, I'll now forget about it. Don't obsess over the fact that they didn't get back to you, because really, the reality of it, well, you know, what's the chances that they have a job on their desk? that's right for you the moment that email comes in. You could potentially be on the B pile every time. And then three months down the line, drop them another, me another email. 100%, I agree. And um, it's also, I've found some of the most successful projects we have done so far weren't really projects off the shelf. We created those opportunities, so to speak. So the brands had something interesting, they had a target audience, uh, a market size, and we went out to them saying, have you thought of doing this? And that little bit of thinking is the second stage where we, where voiceover artists who might be listening to this might think, okay, there's one thing to say, hey, have you got something for me? Can you reverse that game and go, actually, I have a great idea for a podcast series for your brand. I have a great idea for being a presenter for your, I'll interview so-and-so people. Your target audience is you sell software to, you sell cars to, and I was thinking, so you can sell more of those cars. How about I interview XYZ? Right? Um, or I make short audio stories of so-and-so. And if you can connect those two dots, you just save them 20, 30,000 pounds, a marketing manager's salary to think of a concept. And you're presenting them in one or two lines max. And you're saying you're ready to do the job. That's a <laughs> so, great idea. Yeah. You know, you just de, uh, in, in a way, decoupling the whole complexity for them. Mm. It's, um, 
because a for you to get lucky that there is a job they need a voiceover artist and now your cv lands at the right time it's so rare you create the job and that's what we've had maximum success in and i would recommend everyone to do that um yeah that's my thought process but i can go deeper into that. that's a great idea in your experience of working with voice voices then or voiceovers how can a, a voiceover be helpful to the creative team in the lead up to the session, in the session itself? And I'm really talking now about, you know, on the behalf of, of voiceovers who are not very experienced and have perhaps never worked with media teams before. So, the, so for anyone listening who is um, or who has been in voiceover, or wants to get into voiceovers. Um, when you deal with media teams, there are, um, there are actually three kinds of them. Um, and it's important to know exactly the difference. One is the more um, teams who are working directly for brands. Then brands will hire agencies. And agencies will hire other agencies or production companies. So now ecstasy is growing in size. So many a times we might not even, you know, do the voice bit. We might actually bring in a couple of voice artists to actually do that voice bit and come back to us, even though our creatives, it's still our project, but because that is not our immediate priority, we might get somebody to do it but still have our creators to manage it. So everyone is what they call insourcing and outsourcing within teams of media. The third team in media are the broadcasters themselves or streamers or um, news and those kind of bodies. So say, for example, you're, you're dealing with sort of channels or online radio stations or there's so much audio on demand, if you want to call it, you know, out there. Um, so th those are the three kind of key different players in the market. So brands themselves, brands and high agencies. So those agencies and the agencies then outsource it to other agencies. Um, and then the third is the more news, streamy, online kind of entities. Um, they're all very different beasts. The one thing they like is speed and um, timekeeping because they're all time poor. So that's a fascinating thing to do. So if in your emails, you can actually say, I am very good at and try and answer things that people want to object to you on. It's like, oh, scripting takes a long time. Or So as a voiceover artist going out there, it's going back to being a solo entrepreneur. What are you good at? Wrap it, present it. So besides having a great voice, you might be good at writing the script. You might be good at, um, you know, writing lyrics. You might be good at, um, you know, what else are you good at? You might be very good at project management. Or, or you could have production skill as well. You there know, you, you go. Might actually be you, able to you put a whole project studio. together. You got yeah. it. And in COVID times, you could actually reach out and say, hey, um, uh, I am... Uh, venturing into voiceover production. I have my own little setup. You don't have to go anywhere. You are answering any doubts upfront in that email. 
I am quick. I will generally I turn things around, um, you know, in three to five days, including a couple of reviews. I will make help you with the script writing. I'll record it, send you uh, files to review, manage the process end to end. The moment you talk that language, you've answered 50 percent of their questions up front. So they already like you. So I don't know if that answers it, but media, I'm trying to find, because there's such different beasts in media, you have to find, unless you get experience with all three of them, that can take time. The easiest thing to do is find the common problems they all face, which is they all are time poor. Um, and if you can say that to them, and as you rightly said, say you'll manage the production or you'll do the script writing, something extra. Everyone wants that. Okay, so it's like the classic, you know, hiring models for, an ad, you know, uh, you know, they're all six feet. If, what's the next thing? You know, well, they all have six pack. Oh my lord, what's the next thing? You know, and then you almost want somebody who is not that pretty because you're like, okay, how do you, how do you stand out in this crowd of sameness? Yeah. You know? well, I was just going to ask you that actually. So it's so easy to start a business now, isn't it? In almost in any field. You could just decide today, I'm starting a business. And um, you know, being an entrepreneur, being self-employed, starting a, running a small business is very attractive uh, to, to many people who've been sort of in their eyes, sort of stuck in the, the nine to five, especially with in light of what's been going on. But as you and I know, it is undoubtedly hard work, can be really stressful, you've got to really be prepared to put in all those extra hours around a quarter of small businesses fail in their first year. Those numbers have actually got better in the last 30 years, but it's still a major risk. But how can this solo business, if we think about the voiceover now, again, um, how can they stand out from the crowd in what is becoming an increasingly crowded marketplace? So there are two questions here in a way that a, how do you stand out from the crowd? And then B, um, you know, the ease with which you can start a business these days. I think let's talk about the ease with which you can start a business. It's insanely easy. I discovered email marketing five years into the business. And it took me nearly another three years to believe that that is true, that it can actually work because I was all about the human contact face-to-face at shows, meeting and networking meets, on the phone, um, then I didn't believe emails would work. And I had to change my mindset when I realized that all the Silicon Valley, big, large corporates were making gazillions of pounds out of emailing people. They were not calling people, they were just emailing people. So, and that's all they were doing. So I was like, I need, I need to go on this and do it properly. And then we start automating and all that. But the point is now with technology, you don't even need to pick up the phone. You can bring in work so many different ways. You can be an Instagram artist. You can be a um, blogging artist. You could be doing it through your SoundCloud. You could be, so whatever your niche is, your differentiation is, you shine, shine on one platform, create a little moat, as they say, you know, create a little community, be the hero or the, uh, you know, you know, the, the real driver of that community. And even if they're 100 people, but they, they all like, share, comment, you know, just truly love what you do. Um, and you constantly keep them happy by bringing out more stuff. 
you, you can actually create a little mini uh, media business for yourself. Um, so it's very easy. You don't even have to do emails anymore. Um, people will slowly start coming to you. That's one way of doing it. Um, the, the other way of doing it is to actually create a roster. So a smart way could be that, you know what? Uh, let me partner up with two other very different type of voices. Um, or maybe people who are, maybe you're in the middle where you've done two, three years. Uh, you know, start some, um, bring in somebody who's willing to give in a few hours for sales every, every day, uh, but is absolutely brand new, you know. Um, and then also partner with somebody really senior, a, a female artist who, who's, who's seen it all, done it all, doesn't want to do her own sales anymore. And you, you partner up, you three of them partner up and say, you know what, uh, we'll share our skills, our credentials. That's the most important thing in this game. Um, and we leverage that. And let's make a plan who each one of us want to speak to, work it backwards, find the names, find the emails, reach out to them, um, or just on LinkedIn, social media, whatever, or build your own online moats of talent, showmanship, and send them those links. It becomes even more meaningful. Hey, I just did a 10-part um, series talking about the parks in London. It's so much more meaningful than actually saying, can I have some work? Um, I'd like to highlight a very important point here, and I think you might already know this really well, but I, to me, it has worked for a very, very long time um, and works even now. It's, it's, it's the status quo game, right? So you would never take advice from a lawyer or a dentist or a doctor who you don't look up to. Mentally, you always want to look up to somebody. You would never get near somebody who will touch your teeth who you don't trust. You're like, nah, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not going to that person. <laughs> it's the same thing when somebody hires a consultant or an expert. Voiceover artists should consider themselves as experts in their business. And they shouldn't be feeling, their starting point shouldn't be from the point of give me work, I'm on the receiving end. Without having a chip on their shoulder, it should be the other way around, where it should be that they have a lot to offer. So the status quo should be this way, looking down, not looking down as in, um, oh, I'm looking down on you, how, you know, you horrible uh, brands are you going to work with me otherwise, you know, um, you're rubbish kind of thing. No, it's more to say, I have so much to offer. You need my help. Allow me to help you. Then it becomes a different type of conversation. Um, and I think in any service industry, that's exactly the way to go. Um, yeah. And I think that will that will really help help people. So uh, I, think I, I, th yeah. I think. Sorry, Mike. I mean, I think I, I'm with you on that. I'm, I think over the last ten years, I've developed that attitude in in some way. In, in that, um, it, when people are contacting me about work their mindset of course is that they're deciding whether or not they want to work with me for me it's the the absolute opposite of that i'm deciding whether or not i want to work with them whether i'm the right fit for them etc and another thing which comes with that and this is something i've done for years and will continue to do the value of passing work on when you're not right for the job etc yeah that creating a sense of trust with that client by saying, actually, I don't think I'm, 
right for this job or, or might not be, but you have a look at such and such. And what you were saying about partnering up there, I've always said that's yeah, it's a, it's a good idea for in voiceover for a male voice, a female voice. Partner up, help each other. You're not treading on each other's toes. Yeah, a young voice, a much older voice. Again, you're not treading on each other's toes. Help each other. Know that you might be great at all the tech, all the social media stuff, and they've got other skills. Share those skills. I completely agree. I completely agree. And um, that, that's why, sort of going back to your point about how easy it is to do it, it is insanely easy. That's why everyone is at least trying to do it. I wouldn't worry too much about the noise because I find that on that ladder, if there is a ladder, um, there's a lot of noise and, uh, and a lot of crowd at the bottom because the entry is so easy. Everyone can have social media pages. Everyone can, you know, put themselves out there, at least build a profile, have an email address. But the, and even if everyone knew the formula of what to do, 100 steps to be the best-selling, best-booked uh, voiceover artist, everyone had the book. Very few out of those 100, maybe two or three, will have the discipline to actually do it. And I have found that with myself. There is so much complacency that builds into systems and people and you do a great job and then suddenly you're like oh I don't know if I want to put the fight again into another great job right and it is so true but if you can actually stay hungry not just because so that's where the whole thing goes back to being a solo entrepreneur you are always a solo entrepreneur if you look at some of the biggest businesses out there biggest business leaders out there for whatever the reason, shape or form, whether they have success coaches, they mentors or whatever, or they have a discipline on a daily basis, they tell themselves this is not enough. We need to do more. We need to do more. They've got that solo entrepreneurship, that fire in their belly. They don't need to work anymore, frankly. They can cherry pick everything, but they just keep going. Um, it's not the case that that should be your life if you want to take a couple of years of rest and you've done some great work and just want to relax and have fair play. But it should not be at the cost of feeling I'm not good enough or maybe I could have done something else. If you ever have that feeling, go back into the game, be in the game, be there constantly. Um, because there's the joy of doing it and failing and still doing it is still better than not doing it. Uh, and the worst is you actually say, Oh, I could have done that actually. Yeah, that person's really lucky. Yeah, you know, yeah, I could have easily got that one. Did you try? No. It's 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 so sad that we don't try enough, we don't try hard enough, I think. Discipline. So to finish up with then, you're speaking to your younger self. I'm not gonna ask you how old you are, Mike. <laughs> you're speaking to your younger self. What would that one in a sentence, what would that one piece of advice be? For you from, from 10 years ago, what would it be? Do more. Do more. Um, and to pad that, what I mean by that is I wish I would have done way more. And now I'm trying to do more. Um, but you don't need money for it. You just need the mindset. Um, do more. You could record so many things, record a audio book, you know, from a voice, a voice artist perspective, try different voices, try different characters. If you have, have recently heard something interesting, record that, record a play, 
I recently heard a great audio book um, and I was so smitten by it. The same Boston-based voice artist, he gave the voice to all the, all the characters in the book. And I was so fascinated that if I ever get a book recorded of that genre, I would definitely reach out to him because it was fascinating. Uh, but you can do all of these tests at home. Um, I, I think especially in the sound space, this is, you are very lucky to do more uh, and constantly fail, but do it for the joy of doing it and try so many different things. Uh, but please do more. Mike, thank you so much for being so generous with your time, knowledge, expertise, and experience. If you want to find out more about Mike's body of work, <laughs> we'll, put the link, we'll put the links in so you can check it through. But thank you so much, Mike. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. In episode four, I'm talking with busy British voiceover artist, Kate Whelan. We look at the shifting trends in commercial voiceover, setting and negotiating your rates, and much more. I'm Guy Michaels. Thanks for listening.